Kansas City Chiefs minus nine at the Las Vegas Raiders. 52 point total here on the first game of Saturday afternoon. Kansas City playing to retain the one seed. They win and they've got a great matchup against a horrid Vegas defense. On the other side, though, Jared Stidham led the Raiders to the third best offensive DVOA of the year for them. And they're best since week 11. Devonta Adams had a huge day. Jacobs had a pretty good game, almost 20 PPR points. What are your views on the Raiders offense in a pretty good matchup, but with Jared Stidham at quarterback again this week? I think you can definitely start Devontae Adams again, like we saw last week, but we don't need to worry about him even with Jared Stidham in. Like he seems to just be QB proof in a lot of regards. He had seven catches for 153 yards and two touchdowns. So like that's everything you could want at this time of year. Kansas City ranked 31st against wide receiver ones, so he's no problem. The middle of the road against running backs, so you can probably start Josh Jacobs in DFS showdown slates or if you're playing a Saturday or Sunday slate. But it's a little bit tricky outside of that. I mean, Stidham could easily have a much worse week than he did last week. Yes, the Chiefs' defense aren't as good as the Niners, but I think the Niners didn't know what to expect from Stidham, whereas the Chiefs are prepared for it and uh, expecting Lightning to strike twice might be a little little optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, on the other side, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, starting guys like that. When it comes to um, the, the the running back situation, though, Isaiah Pacheco scored a touchdown, but it was Jarek McKinnon again with the bigger day. Uh, you you in on one of those more than the other, given their prices this week? Yeah, I'm in on Jarek McKinnon. I mean, this just seems to be Jarek McKinnon's type of se- time of season, doesn't it? Like, this is when he comes to life and starts winning your championships and winning your money in DFS. Las Vegas ranked 31st against running backs acting as receivers, which that's definitely McKinnon's speciality over Pacheco. So that's where I lean with them. And then otherwise, I think, you know, you can definitely play Patrick Mahomes. He needs 430 passing yards to break the all-time single-season passing record. So it'll be interesting to see whether the Chiefs are motivated to go with that. But yeah, it's pretty obvious this one, it feels. Yeah, we know Patrick Mahomes can get a huge chunk of that, close to 300, probably in the first half. At that point, it would depend on if they keep him in there or not, depending on what the score is. So uh, for people hoping he breaks that, hoping the uh, Raiders keep the game close and the Chiefs just put up a ton of points. So so we got a high-scoring game there to see that. As far as uh, betting this one, you mentioned last week the Raiders, they played San Francisco very close, took them to overtime. Uh, Stidham had a really good game. My gut says the Chiefs come out firing here, but I do think the Raiders maybe keep it within nine points. Uh, I went back and forth on that one, but that's the way I'm going to go. I'm going to say over 52. I'm say there's a lot of points here, and the Raiders are able to get in the end zone uh, at least a couple to a few times in this one. I'm going with the over as well, but I think that Kansas City cover this one. I'm just, I feel like Vegas can score, but I don't think they're going to score within sort of 10 of what the Chiefs are at. Tennessee Titans plus six and a half at the Jacksonville Jaguars. 40-point total here on Saturday night. This is basically the AFC South Championship game here. Winner is in the playoffs, wins the division. Jaguars, one of the hottest teams in the league right now. It's a great matchup for Trevor Lawrence in that receiving core. Which is your favorite receiver here in this one, uh, given their prices for the week in DFS? I think you can play either Christian Kirk or Zay Jones. They kind of stand out. Both of them have got incentives they can hit this weekend. Christian Kirk needs 50 receiving yards to hit. I think it's a quarter of a million bonus. Zay Jones only needs two catches to get similar. So their prop lines are also interesting and worth looking at in case, you know, because we do see teams like to feed players and get them to those incentives. So I'd be playing both of them. Uh, I think. You know, Titans rank strong against the run. They rank third best against running backs as pass catchers. So really, it's fading Travis Etienne in favor of Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, and even Evan Ingram for me. 
And Christian Kirk's receiving line set at 58 and a half yards. Zay Jones receptions at four and a half. So he could get that, get those two, but still fall short of that. So I, I'd lean closer, uh, although he's been pretty hot lately as well. Uh, Christian Kirk, I think he's a good one there. 58 and a half, you mentioned, only needs 50. I think they'll get him there pretty easily as well. Now that Jacksonville defense, though, is bottom five this year. It's a good spot for Josh Dobbs, but it's it's Josh Dobbs. So maybe big Derrick Henry day. The Jags are 12th against the run, but Derrick Henry is going to be their key to making the playoffs. Definitely. And you need to see him healthy after missing last week. And who knows whether he could have played last week or whether it was just one of those situations where we fought with very little on the line. They'd just say him anyway. But yeah, I like I like Traylon Burks this week. I like Chigo Conquo and Jacksonville ranked 31st against tight ends in DVOA. So if a Conquo or even Austin Hooper are players that you can be drawn to if you play in showdowns, I don't mind them or you can play either of them in DFS lineups. I would imagine less people play Hooper than a Conquo if you're looking to get different. Yeah, there's a big one there in the AFC South. Again, six and a half point favorites. Jacksonville is at home. What do you like in this one uh, for game picks? I'm just going with Jacksonville, riding the momentum here. They've uh, been great over the last sort of six weeks, really. Um, and I've got this one to just squeak over because I feel like the Jags could race out to like a 25-point lead or so early on. I'm with you there. Mike Rabel does have a track record of winning or keeping games close when the odds are kind of against them. Uh, I do think the Titans are able to cover this, but Jacksonville wins. Uh, So I think it's going to be a little bit closer than you've got there, but we both agree Jacksonville wins. I'm also on the over 40 points. Uh, I think Jacksonville is able to do enough uh, and Tennessee pushed that one over as well. So that is it for the Saturday night game between the Titans and Jaguars. Minnesota Vikings minus seven and a half at the Chicago Bears, 43 and a half point total here on the season's regular season's final Sunday. Minnesota playing for the two seed. San Francisco not likely to lose to Arizona, but went to overtime against San Francisco last week. So not a great shot for Minnesota to get that two seed, but they still can. Is there anybody that you would not play for Minnesota, given they do have uh, an incentive to win here? No, I think it's pretty obvious who you can play. I mean, Justin Jefferson stands out. He needs 190 yards to set a single season record, which is an awful lot. But the Bears rank 32nd against wide receiver one. So perhaps there's a situation where the Vikings come out and force feed him early and he could be really explosive. They're 30th against the run, so you can start Dalvin Cook. I think if you're talking about really large field tournaments like the DraftKings Millie Maker, you can even consider playing Alexander Madison in case... Dalvin Cook gets pulled from the game early on and then Madison comes in and picks up a couple of touchdowns. So the Vikings, straightforward. You can start anyone who you've got any confidence in. Yeah, you mentioned Justin Jefferson there. He had only one catch for 15 yards last week against Green Bay, but had 223 just a few weeks ago against Detroit, had 193 against Buffalo uh, a couple months ago, and then against Chicago, had 12 catches for 154 yards. Not sure he gets the 13 targets in this one, because they're probably going to expect him to get out to a big lead and uh, maybe rest some of those guys. But Justin Jefferson looking for a big bounce back for people who are going to play him in DFS. What about on that bear side? If they lose and Houston beats Indy, they get the number one pick. Do you think that that's going to play into their strategy with stars? We don't see teams lose a lot, but does that affect this weekend at all? You think for the bears? Yeah. I mean, it just feels like Justin Fields has been shut down. Like after the game last week, sort of Bears coaching staff come out and say that Justin Fields should be all right. And then all of a sudden it gets round to like the point a couple of days later where you feel they've had their meetings, they realize how close that number one pick is, and all of a sudden it's like 
Yeah, we're going to start Nathan Peterman instead, who has a career average of 52% completion record. He hasn't thrown a touchdown pass since week six of 2018. So there's nobody really there that I would like to start. I think you could possibly talk yourself into the likes of David Montgomery because Khalil Herbert hasn't been particularly good since he came back. Cole Kamer is somebody that I've seen a few people talking up, but I mean, he's had three top 12 tight end performances this season and as a tight end, really, you only need about four catches for 40 yards to end up in the top 12. So he's not somebody I'll be chasing. I think I would rather just heavily attack the Minnesota side of things and then leave the Bears to do what they do. Yeah, that Minnesota defense is probably a, one of the, the top choices this week. It'll be pretty popular, I imagine. So now we've got on this side, the game side of it, again, Minnesota, seven and a half point favorites. I think they go into the playoffs on a high note here. I think they cover this pretty easily for all the reasons you just mentioned as well with Nathan Peterman. Uh, they're at quarterback. The Bears not really playing for a lot other than to lose potentially to get that one seed if Houston uh, does beat Indy. And I think it's under 43 and a half. I think Minnesota does pretty much all the scoring, maybe lets off the gas a little bit there as we talked about. Uh, if they get up big, kind of sit some of their guys so as to, to not risk it going into the playoffs. How about you? Yeah, pretty similar. I'm just leaning towards the over. I think that the Vikings are one of these teams who've been told constantly that they're not a good team and that they're fluky and they don't deserve their record. And I could just see them going out here and stomping on the Bears to just try and assert a little bit of dominance and get the confidence up before they go into the playoffs. Yeah, good point, especially after the blowout loss last week to my Packers. They're wanting to, to prove to a lot of people that they belong there in that conversation. That is Minnesota at Chicago. Cleveland Browns plus two and a half at the Pittsburgh Steelers, 40 and a half point total here. Now the Browns have been eliminated. The Steelers surprisingly can still get the seven seed in the AFC. They need New England and Miami to lose. Both do have tough matchups. So it's not as unrealistic as you might think. Is this Deontay Johnson's week? Are you playing him? Think they're going to finally get him a touchdown and make him worth the play? Possibly. I mean, you know, like you said, the Steelers need a win to have any hope. So They've really got to be going for this game. The Browns, meanwhile, they just try to reclaim any dignity that they can at this point in the season. But they're ninth against wide receiver ones in DVOA, whereas they're 27th against wide receiver twos. So I kind of lean slightly more to George Pickens for this game. I think he could have a good game. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of it for me on that side. I think, you know, the running backs... I can talk myself into perhaps Najee Harris. We saw him get there against the Ravens with the late touchdown. I think he had a late touchdown the weekend before as well. So he has been getting okay points. But generally speaking, it's not an overly attractive game as things could get quite ugly. Yeah, and on that Brown side too, uh, Deshaun Watson had his first multi-passing touch game of the year last week with three passing touchdowns, but only threw for 169 yards on 50% completion percentage. Anyone you like this week for DFS against a tough Steelers defense? I think the only player who kind of seems a little bit sneaky in terms of DFS tournaments could be Kareem Hunt. This could be his last game as Cleveland Brown. Uh, Steelers are poor against pass catching running backs. They really don't do well against them. So maybe it's if you're entering these really big tournaments like the Millie Maker, then Kareem Hunt would give you Big leverage off anyone else in that game. I can't imagine it'll be more than 2 or 3% rostered at the very most. So, yeah, that's someone I'll be watching a little bit of news for to see if there's any whispers about him getting a little more work this weekend. Yeah, and Cleveland comes into this one, uh, two-and-a-half-point underdogs there. Really, that Jets loss, you mentioned them trying to reclaim any dignity, that, that Jets loss in the beginning of the season, uh, improbable, is really coming back to bite them here. They could be at 8-8. Eight and eight. With a shot at the playoffs, it'd still be. I'm not exactly sure what the tiebreakers would be uh, with them. I don't. I think they lost to New England, so they'd still be behind them. 
um, and the Dolphins. So it would be tough for them, but would be in it. They're not. They're still playing spoiler. They want to spoil the Steelers' playoff chances. I do think the Browns win this one. Again, both teams are going to be motivated, but I think Cleveland is going to want to come out and keep Pittsburgh uh, for making the playoffs, especially in Pittsburgh. I th- do think it's under 40 and a half, though. Neither of these offenses really has been great. So I'm going to side with the under, uh, even with uh, one of the lowest totals of the week this week, I think. I'm going with the under as well, but I'm leaning towards the Pittsburgh side. With it being in Pittsburgh and just generally, I think they're a better team than Cleveland. They've got Kenny Pickett playing better than he had been doing. And uh, yeah, I just lean slightly towards them. Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus four at the Atlanta Falcons, 40 and a half point total on this one. Buccaneers stuck in that four seed, really nothing to play for. Atlanta also has nothing to play for. They're out of the playoffs, kind of middle of the pack for draft position. How are you attacking this game or are you looking to avoid this one altogether? It's a really tricky one. And I think that there's probably a little more opportunity here than some people expect. Uh, we saw earlier this week, Todd Ball said that he was undecided about resting starters because he wanted them to keep up the momentum of last week when we saw Mike Evans finally catch some touchdowns and really have a great day. So championship week was a good, uh, good week for him to do that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And uh, we've got history of Tom Brady has played in these sorts of games when he was in new England, when there was nothing on the line. So perhaps he wants to stay fresh and he wants to stay in the zone. In his games against the Falcons since the 28-3 Super Bowl, he's thrown 300-plus yards in all but one game, and he's had multiple touchdowns in quite a few of them. So I think that's probably more preferable for the Bucs is to keep him in and keep him hot rather than playing someone like Kyle Trask there. Uh, I think you can definitely make an argument that they'll rest their starters if they get up to a good lead, and I would expect to see more of Rashad White than perhaps Leonard Fournette, who's got that Liz Frank injury, which has been bothering him. So perhaps... Rashad White's in play for more DFS purposes than anyone else. Yeah, and you mentioned these games for Tom Brady. We know, and we talked about on our Jaguars preview, the incentives there for Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. I'm not exactly sure what the incentive situation is with any of those guys on the Bucks, uh, but we know Tom Brady likes to help his guys get those incentives. So that could be something to look for if you know. We'll have to do a little bit more research too to, to know. But if you're out there and you know that there's one on the line, we know how Tom Brady likes to do that for those guys. And looking at this one, can the Bucks go in as underdogs, four-point underdogs in Atlanta? Uh, what do you like on this one? I like the Bucks. I think, you know, they've got something to do, and the Falcons really don't have anything to do here, so it's just going to be them, and I think the Falcons or um, the Bucks, sorry, will run up the score. New York Jets plus two at the Miami Dolphins, 38.5-point total. Tough matchup for uh, against the Jets for Miami. No two at Tagovailoa this week. A down game last week for Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Raheem Mostert was the leading receiver. Are you trusting any of those Dolphins this week, considering they have to win for a shot to get in the playoffs, but they do have a very tough matchup? Yeah, I mean, you summed up really well there, Ian. I mean, the Jets' defense is top six but against both wide receiver ones and twos, so on paper, it's not a great game for Tyreek or Waddle. But I think if you're chasing big wins in big tournaments, then they're definitely in play because people might be slightly scared off them. And because... The Dolphins have to win. If they've got any chance of making the playoffs, they have to win. And if they're going to win, it's likely going to be through Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle. So they're not top of my list. And I wouldn't play them in cash games where you're looking for safe floors. But I'd definitely play them in tournaments. Uh, in terms of the running game, I know most uh, led the team in targets last week. But I kind of lean towards Jeff Wilson just because I think he is the better running back out of the two. And I feel like this could be the kind of game where he pops up with a couple of touchdowns. 
And uh, Tyreek Hill uh, led the team in receiving back early in the season in their matchup here, but only 47 yards despite seven catches. Dalen Waddle had just 23 yards on three catches, uh, but they need them this week. Now, on the other side, Mike White has a really good matchup with that Jets passing game against Miami. Who are your best plays on the Jets side this weekend? I think you can pretty much start all the Jets sides. It sounds like Mike White might possibly miss this game I was reading before we jumped on, so... It could be Joe Flacco ahead of Zach Wilson, which really says everything about the Zach Wilson situation. So I don't mind starting Garrett Wilson. We've seen him be quarterback-proof throughout this season. Elijah Moore has been involved plenty over the last few weeks. The running back situation seems a lot more murky. Nobody there is really standing out over the last few weeks. But Miami's 26-ranked pass defense over the last four weeks isn't good enough to stop the likes of Garrett Wilson if they get going. And last time these two teams played, I mentioned Waddle and uh, Hill had a little bit of down games as well. But the Jets had 21, scored 21 unanswered to end that game to win 40 to 17. Smacked them earlier in the year. And it was that first full game without Tua. Teddy Bridgewater got hurt early in the game with just one attempt and Skylar Thompson came in. I'm going to say the Jets win this one again. The defense is just going to gonna own the game here. But under 38 and a half, I'm not sure there's uh, going to be a lot of scoring from either side in this one. What do you like? Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think the Jets just sneak it. Um, I've gone with the under as well. Carolina Panthers plus three and a half at the New Orleans Saints. 42 point total. Really a meaningless game between two poor teams in the NFC South. Both were in contention for this division just a couple weeks ago. That's how bad that division is. Anybody worth playing in this one to you? Or are you looking at a lot of the other games that have a little bit more excitement? I think this one has some sneaky upside for... Andy Dalton, uh, you know, he's playing for his future very much. And Carolina at 27th against the pass. We saw last week that they started off okay before really struggling during the game. And then down JC Horn, who's on injured reserve now. So there's an argument to be made in big field DFS tournaments that you could start Andy Dalton, Rashid Shaheed, maybe even Juan Johnson, who's played really well at times and scored plenty of touchdowns. On the other side of the ball, I don't mind Donta Foreman or Chubba Hubbard as dart throws. It seems like the Panthers are really leaning into that ground game as often as possible. But on the passing side, Marshawn Lattimore came back last week for the Saints and really played well as the game went on. So I'd be a little bit worried about starting DJ Moore. With the Saints, just a, a question here that just kind of popped into my mind as we were talking. You think maybe we see a little bit more Taysom Hill that makes it. I know you've mentioned a couple of times he's quarterback eligible only in DraftKings. But with the fact they're playing for nothing and maybe they want to see what they have from him a little bit more as a passer, since we haven't seen a lot this year, is he a viable play if you've got a lot of lineups you're putting in? Yeah, I don't mind that at all, because it could easily be a situation where they just feel like it's time to give Taysom Hill a bit of a run out at quarterback to, for him to show what he can do in case he's wanting to explore his options this offseason. Um, it's not something I'd do a huge amount of. I'd probably be more tempted into using it if I was playing this game as an individual showdown slate. Yeah, it could be. We always know the upside of Taysom Hill can win you a league, but I only really had one of those games this year uh, back against, I think it was that Seahawks game. Um, as far as betting this one, not a lot to, to love here um, with all the uncertainty. Just, again, meaningless game between the two, not knowing how they're going to play it. I'm going to go with the Panthers, though, with the upset, uh, probably on the opposite of you from what uh, you said there about that Saints side. And I'm going to say under 42 points uh, for both of these teams as well. I don't think there's a lot of scoring in this one. I've gone pretty much on the opposite on everything there. I've gone with the over because I think sometimes these kind of divisional games and nothing on the line can just 
be a little strange. Yep. Uh, but I've gone with the New Orleans side of things with it being in New Orleans. Yeah, very tough place to play there. And that is New Orleans hosting Carolina. New England Patriots plus seven at the Buffalo Bills. 42 and a half point total here. Now the Bills will know after Saturday if they can get the one seed with that Chiefs results. They'll be playing for the two seed with Cincinnati, uh, I believe based on strength of victory as they come out uh, last night uh, before we hopped on here for this morning, I guess, uh, Friday morning, that uh, that game is just going to be a no contest. It's canceled. So there's a lot of different situations going on playoff-wise. But for this game specifically, New England also holds on to the seventh seed with a win. So they win, they're in. They can still get in without winning. All starters should play, I would think. So who are your favorite plays here in this one? I'll kind of just make it open-ended for you. Yeah, I mean, last time these two teams played, it was in New England. Josh Allen wasn't amazing. I think he had less than 16 fantasy points that day. He only had 20 rushing yards, but in Buffalo with the crowd, who you've got to believe are going to be emotional and really behind them this week. I definitely think you can play him. It feels like the Bills are going to want to come out and put on a real big performance. Um, yeah, New England at 26 against wide receiver two. So Gabe Davis, his matchup really stands out to me. On the other side of the ball, Buffalo at 25th against wide receiver ones. So Jacoby Myers is interesting. He's had 15 points in back-to-back games and he's had six receptions in both of them. So I kind of like attacking things through the passing game for this this week. Um, the Bills are pretty good against running backs. So Ramondre Stevenson's not somebody I'm desperate to play this weekend. Um, and on the Bills side, I think neither of them stand out. Yeah, and as far as the game you mentioned, I think I know which way you're going to go, but I'll let you make your game picks here first. Bills, seven-point favorite, 42.5-point total. Yeah, Bills get an emotional win and just get ready to go into the playoffs. Yep, I'm absolutely there with you. I think they're going to come out on fire after the, the tragic event of Monday night. The good news is we've got, right before we recorded this, DeMar Hamlin uh, has been extubated, no longer has the breathing tube. Um, he's able has been able to talk to some of his teammates, so I really think they're going to go out there a lot of times you see, and they're going to want to win it for him and put up a lot of points especially at home. Like you said, I like the over 42 and a half. I think the Bills could get there pretty much on their own the way I expect them to come out and play this one. So Bills cover and over 42 and a half for me, and that is New England at Buffalo. Baltimore Ravens plus seven at the Cincinnati Bengals, 40 and a half point total. The Bengals have won the NFC or the AFC North now with that Monday night football game uh, canceled from the previous week. They have the better winning percentage. But it's weird between home field and how they're going to do home field advantage. I'm still not exactly sure. Sounds like might be a coin flip or something going on here uh, because those teams may match up in the first round, I believe, next week. Both teams, though, have clinched. Cincinnati's still playing for that two seed, so that's a big one. Lamar Jackson out this week. Tyler Huntley has been limited the last few days this week. Mark Andrews finally had a big big game last week when, when people needed him most. Of course, I, I got it in that third-place game, unfortunately. <laughs> Could have used him uh, the week before, but is he a good play again here for you? I think so, because... It was also, it was Tyler Hundley's best game this season, and then Mark Andrews had his best game in probably ten weeks or so. So it looks like things started to click there. It just feels like this Ravens offense isn't really working at the minute. Greg Roman seems confused about what works best. Uh, last week, Gus Edwards only touched the ball like three times, and John Harbaugh said he wants to see Gus more involved this week. So I think it's hard to start Gus. So I think it's hard to start J.K. Dobbins this week because he only has value when he scores touchdowns. Mark Andrews definitely fire him up um, the Ravens I just find it hard to imagine them scoring an awful lot of points this week I absolutely agree and it's uh, the other other side for the Bengals the last time these two teams played back in week five long time ago but a quiet game for a lot of the Bengals players except Hayden Hurst at his best game 
But the way they've been playing lately, the Bengals are the number two uh, number two offensive way to DVOA. Any Bengals you'd be hesitant to play with them playing so well? Yeah, I think Hayden Hurst might end up being a little bit of a trap here because the Ravens, one of their big strengths is against tight ends. They rank eighth in DVOA against positions. So I'm not sure I'd go straight back to the well on it. Um, in terms of wide receivers, I think, you know, Baltimore seems set to get Marcus Peters back this week, which would be an uptick for their cornerbacks. But, you know, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are just studs. You should be starting them every week. Yeah, very, very good. Uh, very good plays pretty much every week, as you said. Bengals coming to this one, seven-point favorites. Uh, similar to, to Buffalo, I think Cincinnati's going to be ex- really excited to get out there. They're at home again after that Monday night, uh, the Monday night game and situation. Um, I do think they cover in this one, and over 40 and a half, they're able to put up a lot of points. Baltimore scores a couple times, but I like the over and the Bengals to cover. What do you think? Yeah, I'm right there with you, and was would uh, set this one up for just another wildcard weekend repeat of it, and hopefully Lamar Jackson's back for that one, and it's a bit more interesting. Yeah, that one would be a little bit more exciting for you there. I know I'm sure it pains you to say Bengals cover here being a Ravens game, but Ravens can only get, uh, I think they're stuck between the five and the six seed, basically, depending on what the Chargers do. So not a whole lot to play for there for Baltimore, and that is Baltimore at Cincinnati. Houston Texans plus two and a half at the Indianapolis Colts, 38-point total. These two teams started off the season playing each other, and they tied, they end their seasons playing each other. And it's a meaningless game, really, other than draft position for Houston. They can lose the number one pick with a win in a Chicago loss, which is likely against Minnesota. Are you avoiding this game entirely? I know some of the other games have had some players that you said you still target and think there's some sneaky uh, value here. This game doesn't seem like there's a ton. No, this game's really very uninteresting from a DFS point of view. I think, you know, the Texans really need to be careful because Sam Ellinger is not a good quarterback and not an NFL caliber starting quarterback. So it would be very Texans of them to end up losing the one seed by beating the Colts here. Um, But it's just kind of hard to imagine this game being particularly good for anything. Um, Pittman's yardage dropped by almost half in the games that he played with Sam Ellinger. Paris Campbell's was similar, but it to his normal output, but it was only 35 receiving yards per game and wasn't getting the touchdowns because the offense wasn't moving. So I don't think you can really start them. On the Texan side, everything's just a bit a bit bland and very uninspiring, really. Um, I'd probably just avoid most of these players full stop. If you are going to play some showdown slates, I think you can talk yourself into the Texans tight ends who've been used well at times and seem to pop up with touchdowns now and again. Um, but outside of them, there's really very little of interest. Yeah, not a light, not a lot to like for DFS. A lot of people probably not even going to be watching this game. Even Colts and Texans fans probably have better things to do. I think the Colts do, though, cover in this one or tie again. You never know. But I think Houston uh, will be playing a little bit for that number one pick as well. And then under 38, just both teams are very bad. So I don't expect a lot of scoring, even though the defenses uh, aren't top notch either. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. It just feels like the Texans won't mess this up. They really shouldn't mess this up. It's very straightforward. Just yeah. don't score. <laughs> Absolutely, which they're good at doing. That's Houston <laughs> at Indianapolis. New York Giants plus 14 at the Philadelphia Eagles, 43-point total. Giants are stuck at the sixth seed. Probably can't trust Saquon to play all game. Uh saw this morning that they did, or it has been confirmed, I believe, that uh, the Giants are going to rest a lot of starters. Some of them even know it. Um, so really anyone else from the Giants in a tough matchup, you're you're basically playing a lot of backups against the Philly team. It's probably going to have their starters in defensively at least the first half to get that one seed. 
Yeah, I think the Giants side of things, I mean, Tyrod Taylor's playing and he's had some okay games when he's popped up in places as a spot starter. So maybe you can talk yourself into playing him in DFS if the Eagles, they need that win. But if they get out to a lead, perhaps it's possible that he does okay. The Giants really don't have enough depth at wide receiver to play anyone but their players like Richie James. So I wouldn't mind starting them in Tyra Taylor stacks if you were really convinced that there was anything to be gained there. But generally speaking, it's the Eagles side of the ball that's far more interesting. They have to win to get that one seed. Since the start of week 13, Devonta Smith is the wide receiver three in total points. He's averaged over 100 receiving yards per game and he's 10th in DYIR. Uh, the Giants are 32nd against tight ends. Dallas Goddard is in play too. I mean, if a team's 32nd against tight ends when we've got their starters in there, they're probably going to be even worse when we've got their backups in. Yeah, and Dallas Goddard has been back a couple games. This will be his first game back, though, with Jalen Hurts, most likely. It sounds like Hurts will be back for this one. Uh, so it could be a, a good game for him as well. I With you, you mentioned it. I think Philly probably gets up big early in this one. The Giants could claw back as the Eagles take their foot off the gas. But Terod Taylor has had some good games in his career. Um, so I think he's, they're able to cover that one at plus 14. They did beat them by a lot more than that a few weeks ago, I think. Um, but I do think the Giants are able to cover this one uh, maybe late in the second half. Philly does win, obviously, this one. And over 43 points, I think Philly can get uh, close to that in the first half. Yeah, I'm with you. Just uh, It doesn't feel like the Eagles are going to be pushed enough that they don't feel like they can't let the Giants back into the game late on and uh, Giants cover that the Eagles will win. Dallas Cowboys minus seven at the Washington Commanders, 41-point total. Now, the Cowboys have a slim shot to win the NFC East, an even slimmer shot for the one seed. They'll look to win, obviously, but they really can't fall any lower than that. They cannot fall any lower than that first wild card with 12 wins already. Are you expecting enough playing time from the starters to make them worth playing in DFS? I think we can possibly make the argument for it here just because, like you say, the Cowboys do need that win. I do think, though, with the fact that the commanders are starting Sam Howell, that things are going to be much worse than if they were starting Taylor Heineke. That could have pushed the Cowboys into a position where their starters would have been more, more exciting. You know, CD Lamb and Dak is a plenty, plenty of people will be using that stack this weekend. I quite like Michael Gallup. He's only 4,100. The commanders defense is, uh, they struggle against wide receiver twos. They're ranked 23rd in DVOA, allow the ninth most yards per game to the position. Gallup hasn't scored more than 13 PPR points in his last four games, but he's had 19 targets in that time, so he's been involved. And this just feels like the kind of week where he goes off after all the fantasy season's over and everyone's been waiting for it to happen. Yeah, people hanging on to him all year, not getting uh, really what they needed from him. On the other side, though, you mentioned Sam Howe starting. you take any chances on the rookie-led commanders? I quite like Jahan Dotson here. The Cowboys ranked 29th against wide receiver twos, and that's where Dotson slots in. And... Sometimes we see it with rookies who've been in camp together, that they have a connection, you know, they've been working, they've been taking the extra reps as they work their way up the depth chart. And perhaps that's something which I'm just talking myself into, but I'll take a speculative play on that this weekend. And this one, Cowboys come in as seven-point favorites on the road at Washington, 41-point total. What do you like with those picks? I'm going with the Dallas side of things here. I think, you know, there are little issues around the Cowboys, but I think that they're a good enough team to get this done when the commanders have nothing on the line. Um, I've gone with the over. Yeah, but I think this one could be similar to the Philadelphia-New uh, York game we talked about in our other preview where the Cowboys likely get up early. Same how could bring the commanders back and cover with uh, the Cowboys 
I mean, their starters reps, but I'm going to say Dallas covers a defense. I think it's going to be too much. They'll get a sizable lead at seven points. Um, it's not like the Eagles game where it's a 14 point spread. I think seven is a pretty comfortable uh, margin for them to, to get. But I was said under 41. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if Washington does, doesn't score or maybe is held to single digits. And Dallas will only need, you know, 30 points in that 31 points. And it's still under the 41. So I like under 41 in this one. But I agree with you. Dallas covers. Los Angeles Chargers plus two and a half at the Denver Broncos. 39 and a half point total on this one. Not a lot on the line for the Chargers. The number five or the number six seed, but would probably rather get the Jacksonville rematch from early in the season or play Tennessee as the number five versus Cincinnati or Buffalo as the number six. A much different uh, opponent there based on the five and the six. The Ravens game will be over by their kickoff. So a Baltimore loss means a lot of these starters for the Chargers may not play or may just play the first quarter. Not really going to talk about the Broncos in this one because we know what they are unless you've got some plays. So how are you playing the Chargers in this one given the situation? And then if you have some Broncos you like. Yeah, I think the Chargers, it's very much, you've got to build a lineup in mind with what am I doing at four o'clock when these games are kind of coming to a conclusion? What What's going to happen with the Ravens game? If the Ravens lose to the Bengals, am I pulling out Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Justin Herbert out of my lineup? Because it's very unlikely in that situation that they're going to end up playing the whole game. So I think you can look at players like Donald Parham, and the likes of um, Carter and the likes of uh, Joshua Palmer as players who might see increased games if um, the starters are pulled, because I'm not sure they'd pull everyone in that situation. I think you can look at the likes of even Justin Jackson, is it, or um, maybe Isaiah Spiller, some of these backup options, and play them. If you're in a situation where you're kind of like behind the cash line and you really need to throw a dart to try and pull yourself back in, those would be low-owned players that might just be able to do that because it's Denver side, whilst they're good against the pass, who knows how much they're playing for. On that Broncos side, I think you can play Albert O. Um, after last week, you know, he popped up with six targets, 45 yards and a touchdown. It sounded very much like he was in the bad books in Nathaniel Hackett before he was fired. So now he's got a new lease of life. The Chargers struggle against tight ends, ranking 20th in DVOA. Maybe talk yourself into Latavius Murray, but the Chargers rush defense has improved over the last few weeks. And now we're up to 18th in that period. Yeah, and you mentioned for the Chargers, uh, Isaiah Spiller, it seems like they've seen a lot of Justin Jackson over the last couple of years. Uh, they haven't seen anything out of Spiller, really, as a rookie this year. So it could be a chance for them to give him most of the work and see what they've got there. So maybe, uh, a, like you said, a good play there. And I know we both, uh, in our Baltimore preview, Baltimore-Cincinnati, expect Cincinnati to win that game. You personally, are you going to be avoiding the, the Chargers, the big-name Chargers, because of that fact, uh, instead of having to switch them out, maybe opting for more guys in the one o'clock window? Yeah, definitely. It just feels like this one, it feels quite predictable how this is going to end up. The Ravens lose and all this talk about out coin flips and everything won't come to pass and the Chargers just sit all the starters. Yeah, preparing for the worst, but think it's going to go according to plan. The Chargers don't have to to rely on the final week to get into the playoffs like they did last year. Uh, and again, I do. Th we both think Cincinnati wins. So I don't think the Chargers risk their starters at much. I think Denver covers in their final final game, and they win this one. They're two and a half point favorites, so I think they're able to cover that. But under thirty nine and a half, uh, we've seen that uh, that Broncos offense all year. Don't expect much, and then with a lot of the backups in, the Chargers not really going to push it. I don't think so. Uh, Denver covers, wins this one, and under 39 and a half for me. Yeah, pretty similar. Broncos country, let's ride. <laughs> let's ride into the offseason with a win. <laughs> and that is the Chargers at the Broncos.
Los Angeles Rams plus six at the Seattle Seahawks. 41 and a half point total here. Now, Seattle needs help to get in even with a win. They won't know at game time, though, because they're waiting on the result from Detroit Green Bay, which is the Sunday night game. So this is a game that you may target pretty heavily here this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think this is one where... The Seahawks were kind of limping towards the end of the season and they really need a big performance. I mean, Geno's definitely tailed off from earlier on in the season where he was kind of like top of all the efficiency metrics. But yeah, this Rams defense, even though they've improved slightly over the last few weeks, they still rank 18th against the pass in DVOA over the last four games. So I'd be starting uh, Geno Smith. I think DK Metcalf over his last three games against the Rams, he has 277 receiving yards and three touchdowns. So I'm not worried about the Jalen Ramsey stuff. The Rams rank 30th against wide receiver ones, allowing an average of 80 yards a game. So Metcalf had a really poor week last week. I think he had one catch for like three yards or something. But this is the kind of place where he can bounce back. Or if you don't like the passing game, I think Kenneth Walker's in play. Since week 10, five different running backs have scored 15 or more PPR points against the Rams. And over the last four games, only four teams have allowed more rushing yardage. Yeah, so a big game there for Seattle, expecting uh, perhaps them to come out. They need a win there. For six-point favorites at home, a low total of 41.5. What do you like on those picks? Yeah, I've gone with the Rams to cover, but the Seahawks to just kind of squeak by. Maybe it's like last-minute field goal, but I've gone with the under as well. This one could be have a lot on the line, but not be a great watch. Yep, I'm all in agreement there with you. Rams cover, Seahawks win under 41.5. Arizona Cardinals plus 14 at San Francisco 49ers. Just a 40-point total on this one. 49ers need a win to retain the two seed. They have an outside shot at the one seed. Uh, George Kittle has scored five touchdowns in the last three games and is in a smash spot against the Cardinals again. You buying all the way in this week? Definitely. I mean, let's go back to the well that we've been at all season. The Cardinals cannot defend against tight ends. They rank 29th in DVOA. They've allowed 10 touchdowns to tight ends this season. When these teams met in week 11, I think George Kittle had two that game. And he's just on fire at the minute. He seems to have a really good connection with Brock Purdy. So definitely in on him. I'm in on CMC. The Cardinals are 32nd in DVOA on passes to running back. They allow an average of 7.4 per game. And we know this is what CMC is going to do. I think the last time that these two teams met, McCaffrey had 17 PPR points that game. And really, it could have been more, but the game got out of Arizona's reach and he didn't need to play as much. So CMC and Kill, definitely the two that I'll be targeting aggressively on the Niners side. Yeah, and we talked about in our uh, Chiefs preview, Jarek McKinnon uh, going against the Raiders, who I think you said 31st against receivers uh, or running backs as receivers. Are they maybe the top one-two punch with running backs this weekend? Yeah, definitely. It's I think you can go Jared McKinnon, CMC, and then look to get a little bit different at wide receiver to kind of differentiate. Yeah, McKinnon, not nearly the price point, I imagine, as McCaffrey is there. So still able to, to, to pull that one off there. And then the Minnesota game, we talked about perhaps them being the best defensive play for the week going against Nathan Peterman. With this 49ers team, though, going against uh, most likely, I think, David Blau, or maybe he's been confirmed star. I uh, uh, missed that. So who would you prefer there? Is it kind of uh, you really can't go wrong with either? Yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with either. I think Minnesota will probably be the slightly more obvious and they'll be cheaper than the Niners, but arguably the Niners defense could score more points and, uh, you know, they're probably the better defense in every metric, really. Uh, with David Blau starting, I mean, last week, 
completed 24 of his 40 pass attempts for 222 yards and a touchdown, but that was against the Falcons. I'm not sure he'll do as well this week. But his two main targets, Trey McBride and Greg Dorch, both saw 10 targets. So I don't mind playing them as sort of dark frozen DFS this week. It's unlikely that a lot of people will be on him. Yeah, 49ers definitely have the better or more talented defense, uh, have been a lot better than Minnesota. Minnesota just has a very good matchup, but you mentioned cheaper. So a good play, good option there as well. 49ers 14 point favorites here um, with the Giants game and the Eagles. I took the Giants to cover. Uh, I think the Eagles are going to let their foot off the gas. I think the Cardinals are going to struggle pretty mightily against the 49ers defense. And I'm going to say the 49ers cover even at 14 points. Uh, They're going to get out to a big lead and keep it with that defense. But under 40 points against similar to, um, uh, I forget which game it was, but it's Washington and Dallas. The Cardinals maybe won't score or will be kept as single digits. So 49ers don't need to do a lot to keep it under 40. What do you think? I've gone with the Cardinals to creep into this one later in the game and cover their 14. But the Niners win, yeah, of course. And then uh, the over just, just to be breached. Detroit Lions plus five at the Green Bay Packers, 49 point total. Green Bay wins and they're in just like we all expected two months ago. And just like we expected it to be with Detroit with a playoff spot on the line at the beginning of the season. But not really. But this is a great spot for the Packers. Detroit only 25th in weighted defensive DVOA. The Lions offense, though, is on fire to fifth in weighted DVOA. How are you playing this one as being the single game showdown? Yeah, I think it's a it's a tricky game in some ways because you know, there's going to be so much going on in this. I think a lot depends on how well Jared Goff can play. His splits when he's been outside in the cold are more pronounced than any other splits, but he's been better this season and last season than he was when he was with the Rams when he's been outside. So it gets a little murky in terms of what you can count on. I think you can probably play Amon Ra St. Brown. I mean, he had nine targets, but only 55 yards last time they played, but he's had more than that in every game since. Jamal Williams needs a rushing touchdown to equal Barry Sanders' record. He only needs six yards for a 1,000 yards this season. And these are the kind of things that Detroit will be pushing to help him get. So I think I quite like playing Jamal Williams and just the idea that maybe he ends up with two touchdowns in this game. But DeAndre Swift has been good of late, so perhaps he has a big role. If the Lions are still in things at kickoff at the start of this game, I think Jameson Williams is somebody I'll take shots on because... They've brought him along slowly, but if you're going to play him, it's now or never. And this is the kind of game where things are on the line. On the Packers side of things, I think it's pretty obvious where you go with most of it. But the one play that stands out is Randall Cobb, who has a really good matchup because the Lions love second most fantasy points to slot receivers. Yeah, and you mentioned if the Lions are still in it, they'll know uh, needing a Seahawks loss. Uh, if the Seahawks win that one, the Lions will be looking to play spoiler. Uh, but still going to be one to win that game. You mentioned Jared Goff in the the cold for what it's worth, or splits outside in the cold for what it's worth. Two years ago, the Rams played at Lambeau Field in the playoffs. Jared Goff was 21 of 27, but for just 174 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Um, wasn't a, a spectacular game. wasn't a great game. Obviously, different team. A uh, couple, and it was a couple years ago. Uh, I was not expecting the same, but he does have a history. He has played at Lambeau Field. Um, just a couple years ago in the cold. So we'll have to see as far as picking this one, I'm going with my home team. I think the Packers cover, they get in the playoffs, just like I expected. Uh, I was in on them all year long. No, I, uh, (laughs) I gave up on about five weeks ago. My younger brother was the one that was like, Oh, we got a 3% chance. 
And then the next week, oh, we won. We got a 6% chance. And he was in on he He thought I told him to give up on it a couple times. But, hey, I couldn't be disappointed if I gave up <laughs> instead of having hopes. But I think Packers cover. The defense does play pretty well. I think uh, Jared Goff in the cold, they hold him a little bit um, up there. And it goes under 49, which I think is pretty high for this game, especially the last one was at 10 to 9. Uh, up there in Detroit a few weeks ago or a couple months ago. Um, both teams not playing very well back then. But Packers cover and under 49. What do you think here for this last game of the 2022 regular season? Yeah, I'm with you on that one. It just feels like the Packers have all the momentum. I mean, if you'd given this to the Lions at the start of the season, they probably would have taken this kind of result. But Packers have got momentum and they look like the better all-around team at the minute. Yeah, finally got everyone healthy, as Aaron Rodgers said a few weeks ago. We're not dead. They're not dead. They've got a shot to win it uh, on Sunday night football to get into the playoffs, uh, which is pretty pretty remarkable given where they were at the, the middle of the season. And that is Detroit at Green Bay. <laughs>